Over the past 16 weeks, we have talked on faith. Uh, we've talked on how to hunger for God. We've talked on who the Holy Spirit is. And our latest series that we just wrapped up uh, was very much an applicable message series called Share Your Story. All four of these series have been um, pretty intense uh, to live out, I would say, if, if you were here and went through all those. Um, not that it was difficult to necessarily understand, but it was calling us to enhancement of living our lives in what God has called us to live as Christians. Um, our Holy Spirit series, we averaged over 30 scriptures per week. And if you remember, we had booklets of outlines every week that we were going through. And, and you guys survived that. So way to go uh, on doing that. Our faith series uh, was challenging us to understand that we are all given a measure of faith, but what you decide to do with that faith is up to you. You remember that? Kind of, sort of? Our hunger series taught us that uh, whatever you hunger for will determine the direction you move, and it's hard to be hungry for God whenever you're full of the world and full of things that take you away from God. And that kind of wraps up that. And then our Share Your uh, Story series was trying to get us to realize that you have a story, and that story is important. Your story becomes your testimony that God uses to help other people come to know Christ, and through you, you are salt and light for other people to see Christ inside of you. You remember? It's a pretty heavy 16 weeks. <laughs> yeah? And if you go back even further, about the last 24 weeks has been pretty heavy. And uh, I hope you guys have grown spiritually. Would you say, and I need you to be very honest with me, that from this day and where you were six months ago, you are further spiritually than you were six months ago? Yes? Yes? Exponentially? Terrence? A little bit? I don't want to be wasting my time up here. <laughs> um, today, I'm, I'm going to push you a little bit today, but I'm going to give you a reprieve. I want to spend some time encouraging you. Uh, I, I'm going to push you a little, but I'm going to encourage you a lot more. Uh, you guys have gone through a lot over the last 16, 18 weeks. You've taken in a lot. We've had a lot of content, a lot of scripture, a lot to think on, a lot to call on. Uh, so I thought it would be fun to do a series that just kind of encourages us so we learn a little bit about the Bible in the, in the process of that. And, and the truth is we're all running a race. And in our race, there's ups, there's downs, there's sideways, there's upside downs, there's times of success, there's times of famine. And no matter where you are on your race right now, it's good to be encouraged. It's good to know that you're not running your race alone. It's good to know that the race that you are on is the most important race that you will ever run. And whenever I begin to kind of process and think about what this series was going to look like, um, my dad's always told me I'm not interested in what a 16-year-old's opinion is on a situation. I'm interested in an opinion of someone who's already been there, achieved it, and at the end of their life still had the same success they had whenever they were beginning. A lot of people can start the race, but few finish the race well. And whenever I begin to think about what this looked like, I wanted to say, if we're all running a race, where can we find people who finish the race well and learn from them? Hence, our series title, Running With 
the giants. Our text for this series is in your notes. Let's look at it real quick. Hebrews 12, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings up so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Let me break that down just a little bit. Uh, Hebrews, let's look at it again. It says, therefore. So anytime you see the word therefore, you want to find out what it's therefore. That's right. So in Hebrews 12, 1, it's referring to the previous chapter. And the thought is referring to Hebrews 11, which has been coined the Hall of Fame of Faith. And the reason why it's coined that is it's all about the different people God used in the Old Testament and how they obeyed the Spirit of God and how they became successful in their walk with God and how at the end of their race they ran it with success. And so it's been labeled the Hall of Fame of Faith. So it says, therefore, meaning what's going on, the people before you, you are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Well, what's that refer to? It's referring to the people in heaven. They are in the stands, so what we could call cheering you on while you run your race. Let us also lay aside every weight and every sin which clings so closely. That is showing us that we want to have success, and we want to have success like they did. So in order to have success like they did, do what they did to get to where they got. Does that make sense? So, And then it says, let us run the race that is set before us. What we learn is there are great men and women of God who have had major success and they are in heaven now. And I want you to use this kind of thought process, this analogy, that they are in the stands cheering you on as you run your race. But the problem is whenever you have people in the stands cheering you on, you don't get to hear the individual voice of who are in the stands. You get to hear the roar of the crowd. And so all you hear is everyone cheering you on, but you don't hear what an individual person is trying to tell you while you're running that race. You hear the crowd. John Maxwell. You ever heard of him? Leadership guru, John Maxwell? Yeah. Uh, one of my favorite authors, speakers, um, my dad actually used to pay us $5 a month to listen to his tape. And he would have an outline, and we would fill out the outline. And then at the end of the month, we did that, read our Bible, memorize scripture, and read another book, and write out. And if we did all of them, that was our allowance, $20 a month. But he would check us. And so if he thought we were faking through something, he already knew because he listened to it as well. And so he would check us and ask us questions. And if we couldn't answer one of the questions, we didn't get our allowance for that month. So my brother never got paid. I got paid a lot. But, uh, but that was what he did. But John Maxwell came up with this idea for a book, and it's actually titled Running with the Giants, and that's where I'm pulling this from. And he takes different Bible characters out of the Old Testament, and he actually came up with one out of the New Testament as well. And the idea was, if you were running a lap around the racetrack, and you could pull out one of those Bible characters, and they could run that lap with you, what would they try to tell you? What would be the message that they would want to get to cross to you while you run your lap together? Uh, this is going to be a, a, a fun series because, number one, you're, you're, you're going to be encouraged. Yay, <laughs> you're not going to be. Okay. And number two, um, you're going to learn a little bit about some different characters in the Bible. And in the book, uh, he actually has ten different chapters, ten different people. We're not going to do this for ten weeks. That's way beyond my attention span. So we're going to do it just for a few weeks and take out some of the best ones. So if you want to go get the book, great book. You can get some of the content that's there. 
80% of what I'm saying today is not in the book, but 20% is. You can kind of get the idea. And so today we're going to run our race with a man named Isaiah. Does anybody know who Isaiah is? Yeah, Isaiah is a prophet in the Old Testament, and he's actually the, the most famous of the prophets. His book is the longest of the, of the prophecy books in the Old Testament. It's 66 chapters long. And, and the reason why it's, uh, he's the most famous is because he had the most to say. And the reason why he had the most to say is because Isaiah actually saw Jesus. Isaiah writes down 800 years before the crucifixion in detail what was going to happen. Isaiah was a prophet. A prophecy sees things. Another word is a seer. You may have heard that term. So Isaiah saw by prophecy what was going to happen, and he wrote it down in his book. And 800 years later, everything he says came to pass just how he said it. That's extremely accurate. So if any one of you want to do something like that and it comes down, I'll call you a prophet as well. And if you have the type of accuracy that he had. 800 years before the crucifixion, long before Jesus was ever even on the earth, he wrote down exactly what was going to happen. He prophesied it. And the detail of which he gives is the reason why he's the most known, the most respected of the prophets in the Old Testament. All right, so here we go. When we look at Isaiah, when, when we pull him out of the stands, we're running the race, and Isaiah begins to run with us. Just kind of picture yourself running together. And, and I believe this is the first thing that he's going to begin to tell you as you begin to run your race together with him. Let's look in your outline, Isaiah chapter 30. It says, Whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, This is the way. Walk in it. No matter where you are at on your pathway to Jesus, you may have been going straight and everything was going fine. Or you may be on a detour. You may not even know who Jesus is. You may not have a clue what in the world's going on. No matter if you're to the left or to the right, you're following God, you're completely lost. No matter where you are at, you may even have a misconception on who God is because God, it's the God of the Bible to you is what a church told you at some point. Or the God of the Bible to you is what a family member told you at some point, And you never even actually got to experience. God. So what Isaiah is saying is to the left or to the right, no matter where you are at, you can still hear the voice of God. It's important for you to know that no matter if you're far away from God or you're super close to God, God wants to speak to you and you can hear his voice. But the problem becomes, and it's one of the most one of the most popular questions we get in church is, how do I hear God's voice? If God wants to speak to me, if, if Isaiah says, if I'm far away from God, God wants to speak to me and I can hear his voice, or if I'm close to God God's, and I can hear God's voice, how do we begin to hear God's voice? Today, I want to show you how you can hear God's voice. Let's look in your outline. Here's Isaiah's big idea for you. It's in the box. You need your own encounter with God. 
Isaiah's big idea is you need to have your own encounter with God. You can't live off your parents' encounter. You can't live off your friend's encounter. You can't live off someone else's encounter. God just isn't the big guy in the sky that you talk to every once in a while. You need to have an encounter with God. And I believe with all my heart, if you encounter God, it will change something inside of you. One moment with God can do more than anything else. The great thing about what Isaiah does here is he actually shows us how to have this encounter. And I believe with all my heart that if you learn how to encounter God, it will change everything about you. So here we are. We're on this trek. Isaiah joins us. We're starting to run. We're just about to round that first turn. Isaiah says you need to have an encounter in God with God. In the rest of this lap, I want to teach you how to have the encounter. So let's run. Let's keep going. You're doing good so far. How do we encounter God? Write down number one. Our greatest pain can be a catalyst for our greatest gain. Our greatest pain can be a catalyst for our greatest gain. God often uses our pain to speak to us the most. Most people's reaction to pain is to run away from God. They think God's causing it. They, they think God's the problem. They think there's pain. Uh, I must have done something wrong, so I'm going to go away from it. I'm going to run the opposite way. And, and Isaiah teaches us that if you're in the middle of pain, that's when you need to run to God. Even if the pain is a pain that you created. Even if the pain is a pain that you did, you, you brought upon yourself. You can still learn and take responsibility for yourself, but you have to find yourself in a place to pursue God. If you are not encountering God uh, because deep down you think there is a pain that is separating from God, there is a sin in your life that has separated you from God, so therefore you think you can't have an encounter with God or hear God's voice, and Isaiah tells us the complete opposite. If you're far away from God, you can hear God's voice too. Let's look at what Isaiah says in chapter 6. In the year that King Uzziah died, let me, let me um, give some background real quick. Uh, this is Isaiah's lowest moment in life. The king was an amazing king. He loved the king. He served the king. Best friends with the king. And his best friend died. And because of that, Isaiah began to fall into sin. He began to do things he wasn't supposed to do. And that's where this verse takes in. It was at the lowest moment of Isaiah's life that he writes what he's about to write. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and exalted. And the train of the robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphs. And they were calling to him, holy, holy, holy. Uh, that, that's what we call a triple rep repetition, uh, meaning that it is extremely important and there is significance behind it. So it's the only place in the Bible where you find triple repetition. And it's talking about the importance. And what it's saying is, holy, 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 holy God, holy Jesus, holy spirit is referring to the Trinity. Side note. Okay. Um, 
It is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of His glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the thresholds, that means the foundations of your life, shook and the temple was filled with smoke. Isaiah is showing this. In his greatest pain, he heard God's voice. Don't overlook the pain in your life that you are going through to say, I have separated myself or God has separated himself from me. That's the furthest thing from reality. The pain that you are going through, the suffering that you are going through, that's when God wants to speak to you the most. I was talking to my mom on Thursday and, and she was in, just being honest, she was, she was hurting. And her exact words, <laughs> I wrote it down. I don't know why I'm having to go through this pain, but God is teaching me things every single day. My faith has never been higher. My desire to see God has never been higher. My hunger for His presence has never been higher. It is in the pain that she chose to run towards God. And in her pain, you mark my words on her return, you're going to see something that you've never seen before. Isaiah is telling us that the pain we go through, no matter what it is, if you choose to run towards God, the pain can be a catalyst for your greatest gain. Isaiah says you need to have an encounter with God. So here we are. We're running on this track. He says encounter God. Let me tell you how to encounter God. He says the greatest pain, don't let it be a temporary setback for you running towards God. Don't let your pain, no matter what you're going through, don't let it be your setback. And he looks at, he looks at you, Isaiah says, you got that? Don't let your pain be your setback. You got that? Okay. We're going to keep running. You're doing good. Don't, don't, don't let your setback cause you to turn back away. Let your setback cause you to turn towards God. You got that? Okay. The second way we encounter God, write this down. When we see God clearly, we see ourselves clearly. When we see God clearly... We see ourselves clearly. You can't encounter God unless you get real about who you are. Let's look in your outline. Isaiah says, uh, Woe to me! I cried, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King the Lord Almighty. Isaiah saw his own condition. You have to be real with Jesus and where you are at. If your Tuesday nights consist of flipping through social media and you're getting thumb crazy, looking at things you shouldn't be looking at. You've got to look at your own condition. If you want the glory of God to be about your life and you're okay with living like the world, you're not being real with yourself. Isaiah came to a place where he saw his own condition, and because he saw his own condition, it allowed him to see God more clearly because he saw himself more clearly. 
If you don't look at yourself more clearly, how are you ever going to see God in the perspective that He wants you to see it? You're only looking at it through a tainted lens of your perspective of what you think. We said two weeks ago that 88% of people will come to know Christ that are friends of yours if they see the Christ in you is real. So if they see the Christ in you is real and you're living that out, they're going to want what you have. All right? If you think you can live your life however you want, I said I wasn't going to get hard, but I'm, here's, here's the side I'm going to push you a little bit. If, if you think you can live your life however you want and then come to church on Sunday and encounter God, let me just be real up forth with you. It probably won't happen. It might. God's more powerful than anything we can offer. But if you're choosing to live your life apart from God and expecting to have an encounter with God, the two don't mix. You've got to come to a place where you say, God, I want to encounter you. And to encounter you, I've got to see myself the way that you see me, which is good. But I'm seeing you through a perspective of sin. And I'm seeing that you don't... Um, two weeks ago, I, I went to the car dealership and I bought Adrienne a new car. And when I went to trade her car in, she saw this little car that she wanted. And I, oh, that's cute. And so we, she wanted that car, so I'm buying the car. And I'm a good husband, right? Okay. And, um, <laughs> and um, we go in there and we take her car. We've had it for a while and we trade it in. And the, the amount that we purchased her car for and the amount that they offered us to trade in wasn't the same amount. Why not? We've been running that car. It's got wear and tear. It's got miles. It's got kids love in the back seat of that thing. It's got dents and dings and scratches. It's all, it's been used. They didn't offer us the same value for the car. Why not? Because it's not in the same condition when we purchased it. <laughs> You're like that car. We get some wear and tear in our lives. We go through some things. We get some bumps, some bruises. And then we go to Jesus and we don't give him ourselves. And we go to Jesus thinking that we're at the value of a used car. But the value that Jesus has for you is the brand new car. And every time you go to him, you don't go as a used, worn out, beat up car. You go as a brand new, whatever car you like. I don't think that makes sense. Does that make sense? Are you following that one? Yeah. I kind of switched turns. I wasn't going to say what I said before and I, I switched it. Whenever you see yourself clearly... You recognize the need that you need a Savior to take care of you. Whenever you recognize yourself as worn out, beat up, you've gone through life, you've made bad decisions, you recognize the need to get refurbished and to trade yourself in for a new one. 
You give the, I'm going to make this a little bit more clear. You give your old life of sin to God and he makes you brand new. Are you following me now? We're, okay, we're stepping where we understand. Okay, the first one wasn't clicking, so okay. Um, the value of what you have is no longer seen in an old rundown beater, but the value that you have is in the value of what Jesus did for you. You become the value of, uh, of like a, a, a classic car. It keeps rising in price. The value of your life, as long as you see yourself clearly and see Jesus clearly, becomes at a place where your value continues to go higher and higher because of what Jesus did inside of you. But if you don't see yourself and acknowledge that, you can't have an encounter with his presence. If you want to encounter God, you have to let him clean some things out of you. You can't live in denial. That's going to get you nowhere. When you see God clearly, you see that you are in need of a Savior. Because your sin has separated you from your encounter. Let's look at verse 5 again real quick. It says, woe to me. Isaiah, he is saying, look at the top of your outline on the back page. When I was broken and in my lowest, darkest hour, I discovered that who I truly am was revealed. When I was broken, and in my lowest, darkest hour, I discovered that who I truly am was revealed. When I saw myself clearly, I get to see Jesus more clearly. Two weeks ago, Mike shared a little bit of his story. Alcoholic. I won't get into all of it. You heard it. If you didn't hear it, Mike was a bad dude. And it was out his lowest, darkest hour, he realized, I'm in need of something else. And I want to remind you, in your lowest, darkest hour, God was still talking to Mike. In your lowest, darkest hour, God is still talking to you. We've rounded the first turn. We've rounded the second turn. We've been running for a while now. Kind of getting a little tired. If you've ever run a lap in high school, remember you had to run the lap in like four minutes or something and get tired. You went, ah. Isaiah says, you need to see God for who he is because once you see God for who he is, you will see yourself the way that God sees you. You got that? He's running with you. You got that? You, 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 you see yourself the way that God sees you. He says, let's keep running. We've got a race to run. Number three, in your outline, God removes our past to redeem our future. God removes our past to redeem our future. For some people, the reason why you've not encountered God is because you're holding on to the past and you have not released it. 
There is nothing in my life that my wife doesn't know about, good and bad. There's no secrets. There's no hidden agenda. Because if there was something that I have not been forthright from with her, I lose the ability to encounter her specifically. Because now there is a gap that we are holding back between each other. I'm about to step on some toes. I heard Robert Morris, a pastor at Gateway Church, he said just this last week, if you have hidden sin in your life, find a counselor, a pastor, a trusted friend, and go confess those things. It will bring freedom to you. I don't want you all to get in trouble with your spouses if, there's nothing, if you have something that you need to talk about. Find someone you can trust. But I'm telling you, if you're having a hard time encountering God, there comes a point in your life that your encounter with God needs to be more important than anything else. You have to do whatever it takes to encounter God. Man, I'm getting harsh. I'm sorry. if you can't see yourself clearly, you can't see God clearly. So if there's sin in your life that you are not exposing to the light, it is full of darkness. So therefore, you can't see yourself clearly. And if you can't see yourself clearly, you can't see God clearly. You see how the picture, you see how this is making sense? Brindley, you getting this? Does that make sense? Yeah. God wants to forgive you of your past so he can redeem you for your future. As we get to the final turn, we're, 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 we're getting close here. We're getting close. Isaiah says, don't let your personal feelings of your past discredit your future. You're too important to God's plan. You got that? He says, you're doing good. Let's finish this race strong. And now you're on the final turn. You just passed the fourth turn. You know the fourth turn. You see the finish line right there, and it gives you a sudden boost of, of endorphins. And you're like, I can run a little bit faster because you, you see the end in sight. And Isaiah and you are running this lap, and you're getting to the very end. He says, hold on, hold on. As we finish this out, let me tell you three things that are super important for you to understand. We're going to fly through these things. He said, you've got to understand these three things. Number one, write this down. God wants to reveal more of himself to you. He says, keep running. God wants to reveal more of himself to you. Isaiah 55 says, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. He's telling you to seek after the Lord. He wants to reveal something to you. It says in Jeremiah that if you seek the Lord with your whole heart, you will find him. You can't go haphazard. Do you want to encounter God? Here's the key. Believe in Jesus and know that he wants more for you. Write it down. Go all in. Number two. The finish line just a few steps away. He said, I want you to know that God will change you. You will not be the same person that you were before. When you have an encounter with God, He will change you. Isaiah 1.18 says, Come, now let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. There's a change that happens. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. If you are willing and obedient, you will eat from the best of the land. 
There will be a change on the inside of you when you run your race with God and you try to have your encounter with Him. It says in 1 Peter that as babies you drink milk, but you are the more mature you become, you will cry out for greater nourishment. Do you want to encounter God? Number two, write down key, become a fully devoted follower of Christ. If you want to encounter God, you have to believe in Jesus. Number two, you have to become a fully devoted follower. And then write down number three, we are literally about to cross the finish line. Isaiah says, God has, write this down, an assignment for you. Isaiah 60 says, Arise, shine, let your light has, for your light has come. Verse 3, Nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your dawn. In Ephesians it says that you are God's masterpiece and you can do good things that He planned for you long ago. If you want to encounter God, you've got to write this down, build God's kingdom. You've got to go all in. We talked about it last week. You'll be the salt and light. If you're truly following after God, you say, I've never had an encounter with God. Today's your day. Isaiah, and you crossed the line because you're about to go on another lap. Isaiah makes his way off the track. He's running, going back up to the stands. He says, remember, you need to have an encounter with God because my encounter with God changed me forever. If you encounter God, it will change you forever. The most important thing I can say to you is you need to have an encounter with God. Thank you for tuning in today. For more content like this, visit our website, www.pathwaychurchok.com to see the variety of ways you can download this content and so much more. It's our pleasure that you would tune in, and we believe that if you take the content you just heard, write down the parts that spoke to you, and work on a plan to apply it, you will not be the same person a year from now. We hope today you can take this content, apply it, share it, let it change you, and you can become all God has called you to become. Thank you again for tuning in. We'll be together again soon. Until then, keep growing.